Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Jeb Benz. Jeb helps six and seven figure business owners develop ruthless results-driven campaigns through barbaric direct response copy. He's written and designed marketing campaigns for various industries, including esports, B2B coaches, info products, nursing homes, dent removal, e-commerce, and more. I've asked him to join us here today talk about how we can better communicate our value to generate more leads and sales. So Jeb, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. I know Jeb from my days on Palawan. So if you're seeing the video, most, most people listen to the podcast audio, but you can see the beach scene behind me. That's just the Zoom background, but this was actually my backyard. Jeb knows because we used to die working out together, right? In the yeah. heat. Yeah. I was like, dude. Yeah, sure. And he, he would smoke me. I mean, I think I'm pretty fit, but he, I remember there was some workout, you had a barbell on your back and it was box step ups and it was like a hundred of them. And I'm like 54 and he's like 87, 88, 89. And I'm like 55, 56. And I was making all sorts of excuses. I'm like, I weigh 200 pounds. He's like 80. What? You know, but really, you're just crushing it. I, th I think it's really the climate. I'm I'm a snowman. I'm in Canada, but yeah. So, how'd you even yeah, get started? Fun. I mean, you've been doing, you've done some impressive campaigns. You know, you've gotten mm -hmm. your, you've definitely cut your. What were you doing before you got into online marketing and copywriting and all that? Well, I guess you already mentioned doing CrossFit, but it all started from CrossFit because from CrossFit itself, I had that feeling of like the community and wanting to like learn more of that. And that transitioned to me coaching. So I had metabolic conditioning specialist coaching program and then transferred to another gym and then taught there. And that time I was still studying for college. So basically I was like two more years in college. And then I said, why not have like a sideline, some way to side hustle in the middle of my work for the gym? Because sometimes in the gym, we don't have clients like Right. In the middle of like 3 p.m. in the afternoon, there's no clients. So, and right. we have Wi-Fi in there. So I wanted to like learn more and find new skills. That's why I was looking for like a type of work I could do. And one of the easiest ways is writing. But the only problem was I don't know where to start. So I tried a lot of things from essay writing, content writing, article writing, script writing. It's like all I was all over the place. And I was like getting five bucks for like a whole, like a thousand word pages just to try it out. It, right. I didn't really care about the money at first. I just wanted to like dive into experience. it. Yeah. Right. And then that's when I found content writing focused more on esports in which, by the way, I, I have a hobby of playing computer games. And that time, my first big client was a gamer. And he was like a, a streamer and he wanted me to write content for his website, which basically is I know the game like at the back of my head because I played for like 10 years. So that helped me out. I pump a lot of content. And then when I got a stack of cash, then I went on and find a copywriting coach here in the Philippines, basically in Manila. 
and he trained me for three months. And then after that, I started marketing myself online. So that's basically yeah, how it started. Specialized knowledge. <clears throat> so you start off as a generalist. So that's like the money-making ladder. People that don't know, there's yeah. like a money-making ladder. And at the bottom are generalists, like a dentist. Mm -hmm. Dentist makes whatever a dentist can make. And then you have specialists. The specialist makes more than a dentist because they're like an orthodontist. And perhaps, yeah. you know, the dentist could figure out the surgery, but you got better confidence. The specialist will do it with less mistakes, hassle, headaches, and all that. And then people who make more is like the coach that trained you, right? Because he's mm -hmm. a specialist too. And he makes money training people on how to be a specialist. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the people who make the most at the top of the ladder are celebrities because of supply and demand. So that's basically your journey. You start off as a generalist figuring out where you wanted to be then you got some specialized knowledge and you went deeper and then you got involved with a trainer of specialists and you became specialized. And then what happened? And then I guess after that, I jumped into different kinds of clients because basically I was more like a project basis client. And then most of the time I wanted to have like monthly basis kind of clients. So it I would have like a fixed income and that started when I found like two clients, fixed clients. And then I said, I'm fine with that. And when I, I started learning for a few new things from them, I wanted to expand more. And then that's where I got to a ton of different niches from like car dents to B2B to B2C to now like going to high ticket entrepreneurs and then to, of course, agency owners like in the e-commerce side. Mm. Now for people that are new to this, can you speak, why is copywriting even important? I guess personally, in my opinion, copywriting is like the language of sales, basically. It, so it, if you don't know sales itself, sales is basically like how there's like a structure in a way you talk to a person for you to get them to buy something. So you have to like, like tickle their knee or something or their armpit just to like tease them to get, get them interested in on a product or a service to let them like get out of their wallets and buy from you. So yeah, that that's copywriting itself, but not through talking, but through writing. Right. So. And one of the powerful things about copy, I always say the story of how the industry got started and whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I think it's a good metaphor is that, you know, back in the day, pre-internet, pre-post offices, even, you know, if you were a business person, you either had a local based business or you were a traveling salesman. And so one day this traveling salesman, he's, you know, maybe he's got a baby on the way or something, or just a, a, a missus that wants a higher, you know, quality lifestyle. And he's trying to figure out how can I knock on more doors in a day? And he realizes, Hey, every time I knock on a door, I'm giving the same sort of spiel, right? I go through the same things. Yeah. I could write it yeah. down on a piece of paper. I could have boys, little, you know, errand boys run ahead of me and deliver these. And then when I show up, I just clean up and it became a means of efficiency. And now you fast forward, we have the post office and then, you know, a sales letter never won't convert as well as face to face, but yeah. you can't have a hundred thousand conversations at one time. You can put a hundred thousand letters in the mail. And so yeah. this is where it became remote controlled selling or salesmanship scaled. You're right. So it's real power and leverage. Salesmanship there. in print. Yeah, 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 salesmanship and print. And uh, it's just a really powerful tool. A lot of people don't realize that. Now, what were some of the challenges? I mean, did you just like, oh, it was easy peasy and your coach said do step one, two, three, and you just mm, money started flying out of the laptop for you? Is that how it went? 
No, heck no. That, that, that won't happen that easily. Like, I mean, on my side, I was used to writing content for quite like six, seven months. And I, I knew the like the niche itself at the back of my hand because I've, I've been playing it the game for like 10 years. But when I jumped into copywriting, I had to learn different types of niches to know where I wanted to dive in. So when you're new to the market and you're telling someone you know copywriting, of course, you know the frameworks, but one of the things you're you're gonna face as a challenge is like understanding their audience. Like there are typical words that their audience are frequently using. And if you don't study that and you just write on your own based on just frameworks, then you won't attract them. So that's one of like the challenges I faced. And of course, I had to like hit on the client and like talk to him like and he's still telling me there's problem to this type of word this doesn't mention to my audience so mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. right so we're getting back and forth from that so that was one of the challenges and there's hot buttons too right like some people they said oh chat gpt is going to replace copywriting but i don't know if anybody here is a copy they're listening in their copyright. They know that no one's job is in trouble right now. Maybe iterations <laughs> yeah. in the future. But right now, yeah. it's a great tool, but it's not replacing anybody. Can you speak to yeah, why? I gonna, mean, it's going to take for a while. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more? Like, why does it matter to understand the audience? I mean, I guess it's like basically like when you have a, a new per like a stranger, and you want to befriend them. Like you, you want to get to know them, of course, you won't be able to talk for them for a very long time if you don't know how they talk as well. Like, let's say you're in, like on my side, I play this type of game. And this game, basically, I, I have this stranger that I knew. I, I know, but he doesn't know me. So how can I communicate with him in a way that we both understand each other? Mm -hmm. So on that side, I have to speak the language that he also is used to. Mm -hmm. So with, with that side, yeah. And there's like, for example, for engineering, there's specific languages in engineering that you really have to know, like Pythagorean theorems and all those kinds of stuff. It's just basically, yeah, on, on my side, if this is, uh, I haven't told this yet, I studied engineering in college. So in engineering, you have different kinds of theories and like the ways of how you measure stuff. And if you're talking to an engineer, you won't get his head and understand each other if you you don't speak their language. So right, right, the nuances and the and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think guess it's also you have to figure out the audience because you need to know why they would buy, and and you have to be able to get that. You know, I forget who said this, but I remember someone. Depending on the purchase, sometimes you have to talk about the pain that yeah. you know the product or service solves, and if you're just like you said a stranger and you're not able to connect. And you're not comfortable having that conversation. It can be really awkward and difficult to be like, "Look, man, I know you're here because you have a problem. You got to put your swollen testicle on the table," because people like they're yeah. just going to be shy. They're like, "I don't, you know, I'm here because I got a bad cough. Is that really why you're here? Because I'm a testicle doctor. I don't think you're here, you're, you know." And then you got to talk about it. Like, "Hey, were you playing with some girls you shouldn't have been playing with?" Like, you got to be able to have. And I'm doing this to be, you know, make it entertaining and funny. But that's, yeah, I agree. So what are some yeah, of the biggest sure. mistakes you see your clients and agencies and that that you work with? I, I mean, guess most like, let's say like less than six figures 
entrepreneurs that don't really know their audience starts off with just like on their copy they're just shouting buy this buy that like it sounds to me that they're just telling their audience like i have this product buy this so mm. they don't really care what the pain points are or how they are feeling right, right now or which because like in copywriting you also have to understand the, the customer awareness level so basically if they know they have a problem to solve or they even know that there's a problem itself so mm-hmm. so you you have to understand those levels and, and if you're just saying this is my product buy this buy that they won't listen they're just saying they're just in their heads you're just talking to them to like yeah doing some salesy tactic just getting their money for it so it's mm-hmm. there's no value on those type of writing so that's one of the mistakes that i see can you talk about the different levels of awareness of a market? What is it? What is that? Can you expand on that a bit? Just making sure that I, I don't forget. So basically, there are five state of awareness. There's someone that who is unaware that they have a problem, and then there's someone who aware they know they have a problem but doesn't have a solution, and then there's someone who who knows they need a solution but they don't know where the solution is. And then there's someone who selects that solution but doesn't really uh, knows the solutions but doesn't know which of them are the right one for them. And then there's the like the most aware, which he he has the perfect understanding of which solution he wants right. to. And he's just looking for, for a good problem. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you handle those differently? How would you handle like a level one versus a level five? Well, for me, for for a level one, the one that doesn't understand. In terms of copywriting, you have to really dive into understanding their pain points. Like, it, let's say if, if they're into the fitness and you're selling supplements and you get to find their pain points, let's say they have a bad knee or they have joint problems. And then you, you have to start with that. Like, are you struggling with a knee pain whenever you lift like a 200 pound back squat? So you're basically talking to them in their language that these are their problems. And then basically you're saying that, yes, I understand that you have this problem. Then I, I, I know that as well. So you're telling them that y- you have an expert understanding of what's wrong with them. So that's someone already, you're already stating that you understand their problem, even though they're unaware. And then you have to go through a lot of frameworks, which is basically going step by step from that level one to level five and making them understand that by by the by the time they get to level one they they're going to say that they need your product or service right so yeah you you have to have a really long that's why we have this thing called sales pages sales letters because you have to really tell them every part of what your product is and why do they really need them and for Mm. someone which is on the fifth level and has the understanding of everything you don't really have to sell on that long type of copy. Right. You have to just state that this is your product. This is what it helps. These are the benefits. And then you can buy this at this price or something. Yeah. And that's where that's a lot of short. people are at. It sounds like a lot of people are like, they're just trying to sell to those people. I think there was Chet Holmes was a, an old school. He's long past now. He wrote a, I forget the name of the book. He wrote a great book. I can't remember the name of it, but in it, he talked about that most people, for most businesses, only about 3% of the leads they generate are ready to buy now. Yeah. So yeah, two yeah. parts to that were one, that's why you need to follow up, you know, 12 plus touches. Mm-hmm. 
because only 3% are looking to buy now. The other ones, like you said, they're at a different stage of awareness. And either you got to be around, and so you're a trusted, valued friend when they're finally ready to buy, or you got to be able to communicate with them and walk them through from like level one to level five, because they just may not think it's urgent. They may not think it's a, you know, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well said. They're going to feel that you're just selling some type of product, which is typically what you're going to hear most often and like on TVs on, on, on the side. So you're going to be no different from the rest. So. Right. 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 Yeah. That sounds great. So you got to understand the audience, not just who they are, what problem they have, but almost like walking them through, you know, using the swollen testicle analogy. (laughs) It'd be like, you know, maybe a good friend, bro, you got the swollen testicle, but look, you're going out on a date next week with Julie. You probably don't want to, you know, if the date goes well, you probably don't want to have a swollen testicle at the end of the night. So (laughs) although that's way away from now, that's a week, two weeks from now, if you don't do something about it now, Right. And walk them through that. So I, I think that's great. Yeah. What are some other mistakes that people make in their copy or in their presentation? I guess in terms of because there are different types of copy. And one thing I have frequently been writing right now are on the email marketing side, mm. which are e-commerce emails. And those e-commerce emails are basically uh, you're selling your product through images and just short type of, of copy. So on those short types of copy, you have to be very precise. And sometimes when I study different types of industries, I notice when I dive into their newsletter and I notice their emails going into my on my account, I notice that most often they, they sell the whole thing. So mm-hmm. that's one of the mistakes that I see. So it's like, they throw one email and every type of product is there. It's like just bombarding me with all the products. And it's like I'm going on a roulette and just throw my money to where I need it. So it's like that's the most awful thing you're going to do when you're right. promoting in the email. Right, 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 right. So what should they do instead? Yeah, it, for me, in my personal opinion, when you're doing emails and you want to develop that sense of expertise opinion from your audience like under perspective you have to sell one idea one emotion one belief so if you have this big product that you offer and you have tons of other products you have to focus on that first so when you're selling something on your emails everything should be on that product only so that they will be focused on just one single problem that they have and once you start solving that on just that single product that single idea and then the rest will follow. And then you can then slowly promote the other products that you have, if you have other types of products. What would you say to people that are afraid of letting opportunity pass, but there's so many people that could be my customers? Yeah, I guess you're, because I understand what you mean. You just, you want to test everything, like throw it out of gate and maybe you get a bunch of money with those kinds of products. Like, I guess you're kind of gambling in that sort of stuff, which is for me personally is is like one out of, I don't know, a hundred or a thousand. So you're not pretty much sure. Like your numbers, I would say your numbers in every email that you throw would be random. Mm. So you're not sure. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. So to to definitely find that structure or that type of product that your audience would love to buy from you, 
you should start with one thing and then slowly move to other stuff and then you see that progression that notice that oh this type of product is working on my audience and then you'll mm -hmm. slowly like engage more on that and then reconfirm it again that this works yeah that's why there's like test and optimization because you have to like Right. Find your copy first, write your copy, and then retest again. And of course, you can't retest one thing and make sure the numbers are right if you're throwing the whole thing at the same time. So, right, right, yeah, no, well said. I think that's a misconception too. A lot of people, you know, it's a catch twenty-two. People, someone said this: the best fix for lackluster sales is ten x your prospecting. It doesn't have to be ten x, but it's just go get more leads. And so for yeah. you, like you're saying, you really got to test your copy. And for that, this is something someone told me, like eyeballs must be sacrificed. Yeah. You just don't know. You just for don't sure. know. And that's where it pays to hire expertise. And even sometimes just an outside opinion, you know, someone that's mm -hmm. not so close to it, that can be a little bit more objective and objective, <laughs> you know, that's not their baby. And that's where you, you have to have that, that system running. Because I think it's yeah. I I think I I have watched this reel on Instagram. I don't know if you know Neville Medora. He's one of the top like copywriters in the industry. Basically, he mentioned this where he throws one product and then tries to dive in another and then another and then everything tumbles down. Mm -hmm. So you had to really focus on that first and then transition slowly because you'll notice like on your audience that they're loving this one. And not that one, like, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with that specific email. Yeah. Yeah. I, you just reminded me of a story. I, I lived in Japan for three years and someone, I don't know if it's true because this is one of those stories I've heard different versions of it, but someone told me about how Tokyo university expanded their university campus. So land is very precious in Japan because it's an Island. And so Typically, you know, people might buy and sell buildings, but the land doesn't get bought or sold as often. And Tokyo University had just purchased a bunch of land and was building buildings on it. So there was a site manager that managed all the tradespeople. And then there was the project manager who had the blueprints and was like pointing people around. And they built the external buildings. But winter was coming and the site manager went to the project manager and said, hey, winter's coming. We're pulling out all the big heavy equipment. Where do you want the parking lot? Where should the walkways be? Where should we have the garden area be? You know, let's get this stuff done. And this project manager said, you know what? Winter's coming and let's just not worry about that now. Just get your guys inside, finish the inside of the building and we'll do the external and the landscaping and the paving in the spring. And they had an argument. The site manager's like, but everyone's here. Let's just do it now. Just tell me you want it. And the project manager's like, no, 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 no. So they waited and winter came and the campus filled with people. So the construction workers, they finished as they finished the insides of the buildings, people were using the buildings. And then when spring came and the ground was soft, they didn't need blueprints because they could see where people were parking their cars. They could see the paths people had been making and where, where, what, what door had a path to where. And so that was the idea of instead of forcing something upon the world, it was just more like, I, I hesitate to say organic, but you know what I mean? It just yeah. unfolded. That's kind of what I, I felt like you were saying. Like you have to understand your audience. You have to understand this and either you know your market and audience and you just need to keep hitting that button. Or if you don't yeah. know that button, you have to keep testing and, you know, sacrificing eyeballs maybe to try different messaging, but you're in an iterative process. 
Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. I think one thing I've heard, I, I'm not sure if it was David Ogilvy, but he said copy is not written, but it's assembled. So yes. basically, you're not creating something new. You're just transitioning from what people are feeling, what human nature is. So right. you're, you're not doing something right. that's different, basically. Yeah, you don't have any magic words in your head. You're like a yeah. tradesman that knows how to build this machine piece by piece. Oh, we need to put these emotions in here, put that case study there, and you assemble it and you test it. And just like you might build a machine and run it and find that certain kinks are there, a couple of gears are rubbing against each other, you you just optimize and improve it over time until it's a well-oiled thing. And there's real power yeah. in that. I mean, especially with offline, there's stories of legitimate... Uh, the New York Times newspaper, it actually got launched by the tale of two men is a famous sales letter that they used. And it was just, they knew for every dollar they spent sending it in the mail, they made like a dollar 25 back within the first 30, 45, 60 days type thing. And so it was just every month they would send out letters to their ideal prospects and they just grew New York yeah. Times into the massive behemoth of a magazine that it's yeah. continued to be. So, and that was like 17 years or something. They mailed that letter. Oh, wow. So what are some of the other habits? Because we talked about some, understanding the audience, you know, staying in tune, knowing their pain points, having that touch. We talked about no understanding the level of sophistication, the awareness. market level of awareness. Yeah. Does that change mm -hmm. over time? Is it static? Yeah, for me, it's already static. It's It doesn't change. Like that level mm -hmm. of awareness, it just expands basically. So people like for me who's studying like the grades, from the, the older version to like the newer version right now, what, what they do, they it seemed kind of new, but what they do is just get the structure, the foundation from the the greats, people like David Ogilvy, Joe Sugarman, and then restructure it and add some stuff that is new to in terms of like platforms, in terms right. of mediums that we're using basically. But the whole type of way that you're you're promoting and you're talking to your audience is still the same. Mm. So what would you recommend to someone who's maybe starting out or struggling and they're trying to get sales online, whether it's their e-commerce store or whatever course they're selling? I mean, for for someone who's kind of new, what one thing's for certain is you, you don't have to really dive into going to ads immediately like some people are really well well oiled and well tuned into organic marketing of course if if you have the budget then it's way better to do that but with the new new features of platforms like one client that i'm working right now is from the lidar drones so basically they have this dji drones and putting lidars to scan a whole a whole land and then okay. surveying it and then yeah so basically the the ones from before with engineering where you have this big camera and scanning everything, it's kind of going obsolete with the, the drone because it's making it easier and less hazardous for their people. So that's the new stuff right now. And with that, they're basically doing organic marketing. And what I found out with like new features with reels, shorts, if you're just doing the content right and then having that editing that attracts the people, you're basically getting views. You're basically getting eyeballs in just a short amount of time. So you really have that opportunity right now to promote yourself organically first. And then when you, you find that uh, 
videos or those type of content that your audience love and then you restructure it in a way that you focus that and then optimize again and again that's the time you you try and use your budget to go for advertising like facebook ads google ads and those, those let me say this back for those that didn't hear that because they you know there's already been some great value bombs in this interview so you're saying you can just post stuff organically and hashtags and reels and maybe yeah. collaborate with other people and just get some yeah. content out there organically. And when something hits, now you take that and boost it with paid ads and see yeah. if you can make it yeah. scale. Definitely. That's what I'm seeing right now in the trends. And mm-hmm. and you'll see people that are really quiet at the start and then pop off out of nowhere right. in the industry just because right. of that. Right, right. Yeah, it's a saying that the thousands tell you what the millions will do. So if you can get a few thousand views on an organic video, short, real, whatever, and you get a good response, typically that'll tell you how the millions will respond to it. Now, you need more than a thousand. You know, you need like 5,000 or so. And then that tells you what you can kind of expect to 20, 30,000. And if it's still going good, you can keep scaling and rolling out. So, yeah, for sure. What's some of, I mean, that's a great tip. What do you think holds people back? I mean, there are different things that holds people back. I guess one thing, of course, is like the fear of the money, of course. That's one of the number one thing. If, especially if they don't have the budget and they want to buy stuff like you on your course, on your program or your products. That's one thing. I guess the fear, let's say the fear of losing a ton of time especially when you're cuz like you're going to invest your time on this type of product or this type of service and then in just a few months it was all for nothing so mm. yes, that's that's pretty normal for people yeah you know, that's one of the fears that i guess what i see whenever so where do you think things are going as like we talked about chat gpt we talked about how a lot of these platforms make it so easy for someone to just you know launch themselves organically what do you think Mm -hmm. things are going to be in you know one year five years ten years from now i guess personally in my opinion right now chat gpt is more of like a tool similar to photoshop that helps you speed up your process so gives you more on the productivity side right but in terms of like making copywriters obsolete i don't think that would happen in the next i guess five to ten years it will depend on how fast the market will adjust and then how fast, of course, those companies will rebuild it, do something big. Mm-hmm. So right now, with ChatGPT on my personal side, I'm using it for brainstorming ideas, taking frameworks and maybe letting it test out things that it knows that the market already has, and then seeing if this works on my email or on my ad, and then reframe it to the audience of course that's the number one thing so it's just the framework i'm getting and then reframing it to the audience so when does somebody know that they need to get help from a copywriter if they can access something like chat gpt for free i guess one thing is of course you're just typing it in there and when you're typing like create me an email for this type of product it just pops out this this random email and you're not typically sure if if that attract, attracts your audience because mm. whenever a copywriter uses that is they're just seeing how the how it did as a framework 
but they're not gonna use the whole thing and just right. copy paste it. Yeah, they're just seeing it as oh, okay, this is what the language model they're using, and I guess most often it's being used like that. Like let's say they're using a hook, atten attention grabbing headline, and then adding an information of the product, and then benefits, and then some some type of urgency and then call to action when right. you see that on the chat gpt and then okay now I, I will be using that on my audience as well because it's telling me this type of framework is working on the audience but mm -hmm. with the whole writing you still have to have the human conscience. Yeah. You, you know kathy so kathy is funny we just went away this weekend and her brother was saying he was using chat gpt with his schoolwork and he told his friend about it and they got busted because even though they had different unique content submitted for their essay, it was the exact same thing. Yeah. Exact same thing, exact same concept, exact same. It was unique in terms of if you put it in Google, it said it was unique content, but there was no value add. It wasn't adding to the body of knowledge, so to speak. It was just the same thing rephrased two different ways. And I think yeah. that's a good point. That you bring up there because if someone's just putting stuff in the chat gpt and copying and pasting it over there's nothing preventing anybody else from doing that there's no unique angle there's no personal yeah. personal touch and that's that's really important i like to use a story like if your partner is suffering with a migraine they're at home they're just crying they're in pain they would do anything to get stop this and they send you to the store the drugstore to go get something to fix it and you go in and the drugstore is empty for whatever reason. There's only two products on the shelf. And one is a big bottle of green goo. And it says, cures all. And it's 99 cents. <laughs> and that's all it says. And then the other one, yeah. it's a tiny little bottle, but it says, cures migraines fast, 15 minutes or less guaranteed. But it's $5. Most people will buy this thing that's specific to them. Yeah where yeah, they're yeah. more more confident it's going to produce even though it's more expensive even though the yeah, big the other one is very vague right like you don't know what's going to heal it it's cures all how long five yeah. days two days do i have to drink for half the bottle what like what it yeah. what don't make me do all these mental gymnastics and that's yeah. where that specific stuff makes it more interesting to that specific audience that's why we always go back to the audience like I also, and one experience of mine is this type of client just wanted me to write and write, and he wasn't sure which audience he was just hitting on. So I was like, okay, we are going to have a problem in the copy because I'll be changing the copy again and again, and we're not getting any results that you want and also I want. Right. We both have that compromise. Now we're just randomly throwing stuff out. So Yeah. That right. that's the cures all medicine. Yeah, the that cures all. Me. Yeah, they're riches and niches, bitches. Specificity <laughs> spits out cash. So yeah. that's yeah, getting into that specific. And people need to think about the niches too. If you have a lake, there's you know you have a lake and there's a bunch of birds. There's some birds that eat ants and insects. There's some birds that eat nuts and berries. There's some birds that eat fish. There's some birds that eat other birds. So there could be a niche, which is the problem your business, right, serves. But what kind of bird are you? How, what makes you different? And that's something ChatGPT can't, can't really do for you, right? That's that, that it's almost like a relationship thing, 100%. I love that. Yeah, for sure. I love that. 
So you gave some great tips. I was about to ask about traffic, but you just gave such a great plan. Just test it organically. And when something hits, then go for paid. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like throwing gasoline on a fire. So, <laughs> yeah. so now if people are interested in working with you or if they have questions, if they want to ask you for your input on some of their copy, is that something that you do? Yeah, that's definitely the first thing that I usually ask them whenever we have like a discovery call. So basically, whenever I talk to a new client, I always ask them if they already know their market. They, do they have the understanding of their market? Because if they don't, that will be a big no-no on my side. Because mm. if they don't have, like, let's say the customer avatar right, written in, they don't know which works for them. Like they, they've dived in already on the market then we'll be like throwing rocks anywhere. So yeah, so basically if, if they have that, I'll be sending them a questionnaire, which is basically like specific questions related to their market in which I also need whenever I write copy and it will mm -hmm. be much easier for me to write. Like on my side, I really love doing competitive research. Mm -hmm. So whenever, whenever a new client comes in, I always ask, give me five to seven competitors indirect competitors that you know within your mark within your niche and then mm -hmm. i dive into that and what i do is look into how they write their copy and then see their differences oh this guy focuses on this part of their product but they're basically the same You're, we're just saying they're basically the same type of product but they're focusing their copy on this area on this benefit so they're targeting people that are very old let's say for supplements they're targeting people above 40 and they're hitting those people that are not really more active so mm. they, they want those people some people some supplements wants to get to like young young athletes and want to have more performance the faster the better the stronger then that's the type of person we're targeting and then on your side if you I, i'm already looking at the competitors and i want to look at yours then I'll, I'll try to find something that hasn't been used that would look like something new. So let, that's always like in terms of copy, you have to write that it would sound new, easy, mm. safe, and big. That's always one thing. But reality is just the way of the language of copywriting. You're just bringing out something that the, your other competitors are not bringing out. Right. And that's how you make different yourself from the rest. So, yeah. That's cool. Do you do you think if people contacted you, could you send them that quiz? If people reach out, if they say, yeah, hey, yeah, can you, yeah how definitely. do they contact you for that? Yeah, basically, you, you can contact me either on Facebook, which is at Jeb Benz, G-E-B-V-E-N-C-E, or even message me on like a call, a free discovery call on my website, which is jebvence.com. So on those sites, I'm, I'm fine. You can just ask, even if, they just want to look into, they want me to look into their websites or their, their Facebook or email ad copy and just check if this sounds good in terms of framework or they have this market and they want to compare what it look, it sounds and looks like from their audience with the other competitors. Then I would love to share my insights. Yeah. Okay. On what's happening. That's Jeb Vence, G E B G's in green. E as in eggs, B as in boy, Vence, V-E-N-C-E, jebvents.com. Go check out Jeb Vents. You can see his portfolio there. He's got his links to his Facebook as well, I think, on the site. I mean, I've known this guy for years. I know he's a hard worker. 
I know he does quality work. I've actually referred people to him in the past. We just reached out, talked about family stuff, and it's been a while to catch up. And, you know, I know I always want to keep abreast of what he's doing because I know some of his clients are on the cutting edge. So I was like, maybe I can get him on a call and, and get some secrets out of him. <laughs> so it's jebvenscott.com. Give him a shout out. Ask him for that checklist. Even if you have an existing business, even if you're just listening to this podcast because you're just trying to keep abreast on things, you never know what you don't know. And sometimes answering some of those few questions can just provide that one nugget that can 2X. I mean, I've doubled businesses just by fixing the copy on there. I mean, you know this too, right? I've done this. Yeah. Nothing, no difference. Same number of visitors to their site, same conversion rate, number of people that see the offer buy, but we doubled the opt-ins because- we figured out a better headline. We, you know, we figured out a better pain point. We've something. So one, one idea can really make or break a difference. So Jeff, this has been yeah, such it's a, a good way problem. to, to have that outside perspective as always, because whenever you're used to your type of product and service and use those type of languages, you, you don't see anything new already. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend, he had a martial arts school. He taught me the term black belt eyes. So he did martial arts since he was a kid. So when he was a student, he always wanted to find someone that was better than him. And he was a kickboxer. So he always thought it was really impressive when someone could kick him in the head. So when he started his own school, he made a mental note that every time a new student came in to try out a class, he kicked him in the head. He couldn't figure out why people weren't coming back for the second class. Because he was... Kicking him in the head <laughs> their first day at his school. So that's black belt eyes. He was so familiar. He forgot what it was like to be a newbie again. Yeah. And so there's probably a lot of people, myself included, that, you know, that are so familiar with what we do that we're kicking people in the head when they come to check us out. And so hit up Jeb, go check out jebvince.com, message him, send him an email, let him know you, you heard from him off the show and, and get his list, get his input. Yeah. Is there anything I didn't ask you? I should have asked you, Jeb. This has been a good call. I mean, that's that's most of it. Like in terms of copywriting, that's that's the one of the biggest things you have to look through. Audience, your offer, then of course look into the competitors mm. and see where you're at. And like punch him in the nut or something and be at the top. <laughs> yeah. And I think we talked about we talked about how specialized knowledge is important. Being yeah. able to test and have different frameworks you can mm -hmm. apply understanding where the audience is at and meeting them at their level of awareness. We also talked about how you can incorporate email marketing into it. So you can try more than just one time to sell. If you just send someone to your site and try to sell them right away, that most people are going to say no. But if you can build an yeah. email list, now you can contact them over and over, try different things. You talked about even how people can test for free organically and then use paid advertising yeah, yeah. behind it to boost it. You know, we talked about a lot of great stuff on this. People may want to listen to it again. So thank you again for your time, man. Yeah, for Appreciate sure. Thanks you. for having me. Yeah. It's been a and great again, time. Yeah, me too. We'll yeah. talk again soon. Yeah. I would love people to learn more about copywriting.